Hey friends, and welcome to this special bonus episode of It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. I'm your host, Anna Dearbin Cornick, and in this episode, we're diving into what has become the new normal for many of us. If you're not working remotely yourself, then you probably know someone who is. This is a big change in our day-to-day lives. We're in a new environment. Some of us have children at home, and for some, only part of your team is remote, while the rest is still reporting to the office. One thing that's consistent across the board is that we're all figuring this out. That's why I'm thrilled to share this conversation with Krista Hutchins. Krista is an author, coach, and experienced project manager who uses tough grace to equip busy communicators and leaders with project management and problem-solving skills so they can turn big ideas into a successful ministry or business. She's passionate about teaching women to find practical application of the Bible in their personal, professional, and ministry lives. Krista lives in South Louisiana with her husband in their delightfully empty nest. What's truly important to know about Krista for this episode is that she's been involved in remote work before remote work really existed. Since her first foray into remote work early in her career, she's led global teams on multiple continents and serves on the executive team for Proverbs 31 Ministries with more than 200 volunteers across the world leading people in online Bible study. So, Needless to say, Krista knows a thing or two about how to do remote work well. In our conversation, we dig into her best advice for anyone taking their first leap into remote work and how to create a good environment with the right tools. We also discuss more challenging aspects of working from home, like dealing with a seemingly overbearing boss or leading your own team into a new way of working. If you're new to It's About Time and you enjoy this episode with Krista, I invite you to hit the subscribe button and stick around for regularly scheduled episodes that publish every Monday. Each week, we tackle topics surrounding work, life, and balance through candid conversations with go-getters just like you or by doing a deep dive into a time management or productivity strategy. And before we officially sink our teeth into this episode, You can find all the tools and recommendations that Krista shares in the show notes found at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash remote. That's abouttimepodcast.com forward slash remote. All right, it's about time we get started. So let's get this bonus episode on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. Hey, Krista, thank you so, so much for joining me this evening to record a special bonus episode of It's About Time. How are you doing? 
I'm doing great, and I'm so excited to be talking to you. I've been listening to your podcast for a while, and I'm really happy to share some things with your audience tonight. Well, thank you so, so much for listening. I really appreciate it, and I am really excited for the listeners about what you have in store for them, you know, based on what you shared with me before we hit the record button. So Krista, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you spend your time. Uh, Yeah, I'm a project manager in the engineering and construction field. So that's what I do by day. Um, I also volunteer with Proverbs 31 online Bible studies on the leadership team there. So we have a team of a couple hundred volunteers all over the world who help us um, lead women in online Bible study and community. And then um, kind of through that, I started a business three or four years ago called Do a New Thing, where I serve Christian creatives, writers, and business people, helping them to take their big, wild, crazy, audacious ideas and put a little bit of structure and accountability around them so they can um, walk in their purpose and and live the dreams that, that God's given them. Do a new thing. What a fantastic name for a company that encourages people to step into their gifts and follow their dreams. I absolutely love that. Yeah, it it was, you know, it came out of a time that was a a difficult time for me. And I just, I really felt like that's what I was doing was doing a new thing. And, um, and I'm excited to help, help women do their own new thing. That's perfect. So Krista, Tell me about your background in remote work, because that is the hot topic right now. Yeah, I feel like I've been working remotely for a really long time. Um, Shortly after I started my career, which um, was many, many years ago, I am I have, I'm an empty nester. My kids are grown. So that'll just give you a rough idea of how long I've been at this. But, um, shortly after my daughter was born and, um, and we had another illness in our family that I needed to help take care of. And my boss allowed me to work part-time and in order to let me be even more effective to work at home, he bought for me the very first portable computer that our large corporation owned. And this was back in the day when everybody didn't even have a computer on your desk. You had to go like to a little room that had maybe four computers in it, do your own computing, and then come back to your desk and do whatever you did. And so he bought me the very first portable computer. It was the size of like a carry-on suitcase, um, but you could pick it up and it had a little bitty eight-inch screen. And so I was able to bring that home every day and be able to work at home as my daughter was an infant and as I was helping to care for a family member. So I've been doing some form of remote work almost my entire career. And as I began to move up in in other areas of management, um, I began to lead teams where we had um, uh, 
value engineering, we called it, being done in other countries um, across the globe. And we had, at one point I was working on a project where we had um, people from nine different offices all working together on one project on three continents. So, um, so working remotely has been just kind of part of my DNA. And I'm even seeing it in my family now as both my daughter and my son-in-law both um, work remotely. They work from home. So this is a, kind of a, a passion subject for me. It's something that I feel like is going to be a great benefit um, as we move into this kind of new era of working remotely right now. You were remote working before remote working was a thing. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. And I can't, I can't help but be so impressed with your boss for trailblazing mm -hmm. and taking the initiative to make the arrangements necessary in order to keep you as an asset to the company. He was really amazing. He, he was a great mentor. He saw value in me long before I saw it in myself and, and as I was just starting my career. So I've always been very grateful for, for, the, for what he poured into me during that time. That's wonderful. So Krista, with your long history of working from home and the, you could say, influence that you've had on your family now that you have work from home, you know, remote workers in your family, we have so many people. I think the latest statistic I saw is that around 50% of the country is moving to remote work. You know, what advice do you have for anyone who is taking that first leap into working from home? Well, yeah, I think there's a, a few things. And one of them is just um, a mindset that there's, we've had these um, paradigms over the years that certain types of work you had to do in the office, you had to be face to face, you had to be, you know, um, in direct contact with your coworkers. And I think that we're about to bust a lot of those paradigms that, that if you are intentional in the way that you set yourself up for remote working, and that if your teammates and everyone has the same um, attitude to get this done, we're going to find that a lot of those paradigms we thought about what had to be done in the office, what had to be done face-to-face -face, can actually be done very effectively and in some places even more productively than they could be done in the office. So um, yeah, I th I'm excited to see how this plays out and to see what we learn about remote working through this time. But there are, there are a few things that you can really um, implement as you're starting to work um, remotely. You know, I saw you mention them some on Instagram today. Um, some of the really basic key ones are, you know, number one, getting up, getting out of bed, getting dressed, and looking the part. So you are still going to work, even though you're not leaving the house, you're still going to go to work. And so kind of setting your, going through some of those same routines that you go through when you're going to go to the office will help your mind shift into work mode and get you ready to work. Um, that's probably the very first thing. Um, I think the other, another one important one is time management. Um, it's really hard when you're working at home to, 
to, once you get started, you feel like you have to work all the time. Um, and you need to be really careful about making sure you take breaks, just like you do at the office. You get up and you walk around and you talk to your coworkers um, and you um, have hallway conversations and you talk around the water cooler. So you take breaks at work. You're not head down all the time. And that will be the same thing at home. And that you keep your designated work hours as much as possible. Otherwise, it can become really all consuming and you can just you know, work, 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 and not ever shut it off, but, but set some boundaries of your specific workday and kind of stick in those, but also take breaks in between just like you would in a normal workday. I, I think what you're saying about keeping these boundaries, you're absolutely right. It can be so easy to fall into the pattern of just keeping your laptop open, especially if you decide to try and work in front of the TV and then work and home just all bleeds in together and you never feel totally on and you never feel totally off. One of the things that I shared about back in episode five of It's About Time, which was all about creating structure in your workday, applies just as much as it does to working in an office as it does to to remote work and it's creating that um, startup routine and that shut up that shutdown routine so that you have that mindset shift that says okay it's time to work and then at the end of the day all right it's time to make that transition back to the the home mindset yeah that's that's a really important thing to do um, I think another really important thing to do um, especially if you're coming from a kind of a busy office place and you're coming home um, is to keep some level of human interaction um, if you you know some people it's going to be really that's going to be easy because you're going to have kids at home and all kinds of craziness going on around you um, but maybe you're you're the only one working at home um, and keeping some human interaction is really important you will not realize until about the second or third day how much you miss that and so i know um this was a tip from my son-in-law. He said he keeps Messenger, Facebook Messenger open and has a couple of conversations going along with different coworkers, just the same type of banter that you mm -hmm. might have during the workday with your coworkers. Um, he tries to have that in a virtual space as well, just to keep some human interaction so you're not like all up in your own head all the time. I think that's great. You know, normally under under completely normal circumstances, I would recommend, you know, shutting off Messenger until designated times. But, you know, different times call for different measures and finding ways to maintain that human interaction by keeping Messenger open. I think that's a great thing for someone to try and see how it works for them. Yeah, I think you know there are a lot of the tools you know that we'll talk about. You, you can use different ones, and yeah, if, if Facebook is going to distract you into other things by keeping Messenger open, find some other tool, whether it's texting someone every once in a while. But you just need to keep some contact with the outside world so that you don't get that lonely, um, kind of self-absorbed, um, mm -hmm. only your own thoughts kind of feeling it becomes very claustrophobic and and you're going to want to be able to branch out in the appropriate ways the same way you would do in your normal work day i'd love to hear your advice on taking regular breaks is there such thing as too many not enough is like what's too long what's too short 
What kind of recommendations do you have there? So I have um, one of the things I, I, I teach is the Pomodoro Plus, what I mm-hmm. call Pomodoro Plus. You know, a lot of people talk about the Pomodoro method and they're usually saying to work for 25 minutes and then take a five minute break. But mm-hmm. for me, that's that doesn't work because you know, in 25 minutes, I'm really just getting going. And then a five minute break, I can't even get up and go to the bathroom. So I call it Pomodoro Plus. I take 45 minutes of work and then maybe 10 to 15 minutes of a little break to to break my break my mind. Um, And so just depending on your work schedule and your task and your duties, um, it that may or that kind of Uh, schedule may or may not work for you, but find your own off and on rhythm of what works for, you know, your own concentration level for the own, your own duties that you have to perform. And then taking a long enough break that you actually feel like you had a break and now you're refreshed and ready to go back at work. Mm -hmm, Definitely. And Krista, one thing that I'll add about taking breaks is that If on your break, you use that time to open up your phone and scroll Instagram or scroll Facebook, you you actually are not getting the benefits of taking a true break because the, um, let me see if I remember this correctly, but the, the function that your brain performs while you are scrolling and taking in information on your phone is so similar to performing work that it doesn't actually give your brain the rest that it needs in order to replenish creativity, in order to rejuvenate your problem solving. So that's just to say, when you're taking a break, take a true break. Put the phone down, look outside, look up at the sky, um, walk around the house. I'm not saying never look at your phone, but just be strategic about it to make sure that a break is a true break. That's really interesting. I've never heard that before. That's, yeah, I love that. I think that's, and now that I think about it, it's definitely true. Um, you want to get up get um, get a healthy snack, get uh, some water, make sure you're taking care of your body and keep taking care of yourself. Maybe walk outside just to be able to see the sky a little bit and then come back in and get back to work. So Krista, speaking of walking outside, let's talk about what the best environment is for working from home, because I'm sure that a lot of people listening are going to be very tempted to open up their laptop in bed or plop down on the sofa in front of Netflix. So what would you recommend? Um, Well, first of all, I think you need to respect the fact that you're doing work and that your employer is paying you. If you're doing, you know, if your employer has sent you home to work, remember that your employer is not watching, not paying you to watch Netflix while you work. He's paying you to work. And so um, and so be respectful of that. Number one, Um, I think it helps a lot to have a dedicated space. Um, in your in your home that you can that you're going to be comfortable and that you can set up so you don't have to pick it up every day and move it. This was this was a tip from my daughter that was very important to her that she said to you know, that she had a dedicated space that is for her work and when she's ready to work she goes into that space her things are all set up 
and she can work and then she can leave and close the door. She can leave her supplies out. She can leave her laptop out. She can leave things where she left off so that she can come right back to it when it's time to work. So if, if at all possible, and I know people are going to be kind of like trying to figure out how things are going to work at home. I mean, maybe have to create some kind of space, whether it's even just, um, you know, a corner of a dining table or um, a corner of your bedroom on a, on a folding table, just some place that you can say, this is my workspace. And that's what you do there. Um, I think it's also important to try to set it up as similar to your office that you came from as possible. So if you always kept your file folders to the left of your computer and you had your planner laid out to the right, set your home space up in that same way so that things feel feel familiar to you and you're able to to you know, know where to reach to get things, some of that muscle memory of how you com- how you do your work, your brain won't be having to refigure all of that out. It can really focus on work. It'll make you feel more comfortable and help you get into the work zone quicker than just flinging your laptop open, sitting on your bed. I absolutely love that. And I don't think I have ever come across that tip before, but it makes so much sense to try and set up your remote workspace just like or as similar to your real office as possible. You know, in times like this, everything feels hard. So anything that we can do to make things easier on our brains, I am all for it. I think that's fantastic. And I know that they're on the subject of having a dedicated workspace. I know that there are probably a lot of listeners thinking, okay, I'm going to have to be creative to figure this out. You know, does it look like a a space in a corner? We keep saying corner, but does it look like a space in an extra bedroom? Does it look like moving a table into, you know, maybe a nook in the hallway? Who knows? But like you said, having that dedicated space so that you're not moving everything back and forth every day that I mean that saves time and it helps with that that work mindset that you brought up yeah yeah I think it's really helpful so let's talk tools I know that for a lot of listeners they will be using tools based on what their employer provides or recommends. And so they may not necessarily have the flexibility to choose which tools that they're using to um, assist with their remote work. But, you know, in the event of a business owner or a leader or someone who has that flexibility to make the decisions or to, uh, to make recommendations to their team, what are some of the best tools that you've come across in your remote work history um, that you know can help make life and work just a little bit easier for us? Yeah, I think two. They kind of fall in two main categories. One is a category of things that will help you stay connected um, and and in good communication with your team. And then there's another category that helps you work collaboratively on things. So for staying connected, um, I love using Zoom for video meetings. Uh, And Zoom has a great free plan that probably will work for a lot of people, some 
unlimited one-on-one meetings in the free plan and um, also um, can have larger groups of people for up to 40 minutes um, at a time. So that's a good way to learn to keep your meetings short is you can only have a 40-minute meeting if you have more than uh, two people in using the free Zoom plan. So that's one I love for video meetings. Um, Some people have access to Google Hangups or Google Meet. That's also a good one. But Zoom to me seems to be the most stable um, video conferencing platform um, and having the ability to record your meetings as well is really helpful from Zoom. Um, Another one for managing different conversations and managing communication um, is Slack. I know a lot of companies use Slack where you're able to set up different channels so that you can talk about you know, a certain project on one channel. You can talk about, um, you know, office announcements on a different channel. It can kind of keep some of that conversation organized in different channels. And then it's got a lot of other features as well. So those are some of my favorite for um, connection and communication. Um, For collaboration, um, I think Google Drive is great, as well as Dropbox. Um, The one thing I love about Google Drive um, that takes people a little bit of time to get used to, but is that a a file, when you put a file in Google Drive, it gets a unique identifier. And so if you share that file with other people, and then maybe you move it around, you move it from a to-do folder to a done folder, or you move it from one, one file to another file, that identifier stays the same. And so you never have to reshare it. And that's one of the problems I have sometimes with Dropbox is if I move things around, links that I've given people don't work anymore. So um, Google Drive gives you a lot of flexibility on the way you organize and store things and move them around. It's it's a really great tool. Um, And then another one for collaboration is some kind of project management tool that you may need to use to help people um, stay on track and to make assignments. If you're not used to having to like um, keep an assignment board or a place where you know who's doing what, um, some great tools for that are Trello and Asana. They both, again, have some free plans or inexpensive plans that have a lot of features. Basecamp is a little more expensive and it's got a lot more features and a lot more power. But for just if it's something where you're just now having to really keep track of who's doing what, Trello is probably my very favorite for managing tasks and assignments. I love it. And anybody who's listens to more than one episode of It's About Time knows what a big fan of Trello I am. I actually use an entirely free, the entirely free version of Trello to do everything that I need to do. I'm able to share different boards and cards with different people that I'm working on projects with. And for me, Trello is it. So I love that you make that recommendation because there are free options that exist that are incredible and have wonderful functionality. I'll say I did not know that about Dropbox, that you can lose track of a file if you move it around in different folders. I, I have not spent a great deal of time working in Dropbox because I am Google Drive all the way, yeah. but it, it's always great to have options. Yeah, maybe and maybe that's just me not knowing how to use it, but that's been my experience is that once I move a file in Dropbox, I it, I lose the link and I have to create a new link to it. But, uh, but yeah, I love both of those. Google Drive and Trello are my go-to tools um, for collaboration. 
Got it. And then I also just, you know, wanted to look really quick if, depending on, you know, where you're working, if you don't have a, if you, if you're required to track time and you don't already have a time tracking system for that you use for work, um, there's one called Toggle and there's also one called mywork.com that my work has a free version as well that does a really nice job of tracking your time, what you spent how many hours you worked and what you spent that time working on. So those are both two great tools if you need to keep track. of. That's a really great point, especially for managers who are asking their remote teams to account for their time. It can be really tough to track your time manually using paper and pencil. Although, I I mean, I've done that before and it it works just fine. Um, But having different options like Toggle or MyWork, there's also a program called Timular that's a little bit more of an investment. But if you're somebody who really likes to geek out on time tracking, um, it comes with this. It almost looks like a die. It's a it's an eight sided um, item and you you flip it to different sides. And based on which side is up, uh, it basically starts a timer and it counts the amount of time you spend on an activity while it's facing up. So just adding that one to the mix and throwing it out there. So that sounds interesting. I'll have to look at that one. Yeah, I'll be sure to link it in the show notes, which by the way, the show notes for this bonus episode can be found at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash remote. So I'll be sure to add links to all of these fantastic tools that Krista has recommended and to make sure that we've got them all. So for video meetings, you recommend Zoom. Uh, For file sharing and collaboration, we've got Google Drive or Dropbox. For project management, Trello and Asana and Basecamp, Trello and Asana having really robust free versions that are great to try. For managing different conversations, Slack, and then time tracking, Toggle, my work, and then I threw Timular in there. Is there anything else that we need to add before we keep rolling? No, I think that's it. That's good. All right. Okay, so we've talked about you know, the the first steps, how to really take the leap into remote work. We've covered how to create a good work environment and some recommended tools. So, so, so far, our conversation has really centered around those things that we can control or that we can try to control, right? right. <laughs> so let's start digging into the people side of remote work, uh, primarily working with your boss maintaining open lines of communication. Krista, what advice do you have in order to um, to maintain, you know, positive working relationship with your boss to, you know, to, to maintain accountability, you know, boss to employee, what, what's your biggest recommendations here? I think, first of all, everyone, both the boss and the employee, need to recognize that this is a new world for you if your company has not done this before. And it's a time to offer grace to everyone as you're all learning how this works and to believe the best and trust each other that you're all trying and doing your very best to make it work. So your boss may, in the beginning, give you some 
um, some, you know, kind of high expectations or maybe very nervous about accountability. You may have some things going on in your life where you have to be really open about your limitations of your time and saying, hey, this is what my life is like right now. But all of you need to give each other some grace and and believe the best about each other as you're kind of navigating this new world until you find your new normal that works for both of you. So that's just kind of a mindset thing. Um, on the practical side, um, I think uh, especially if, if if you've got some generation, some time difference or age difference between you and your boss, um, I, I know there's a lot of research right now around generational differences. And one of the big ones that we see in a difference between like say millennials and, and Gen Z versus the boomers is that, you know, the boomers kind of think if I can't see you, you're not working. Right. And so they, um, they may need some proof that you're working and they may ask for some proof. So that's where sometimes the time tracking may come in, but even just, um, even if they don't ask for it, you know, know that they're probably a little bit nervous about that. And so giving some frequent communication of your status and your progress. So they're not sitting around wondering what you're doing all day. So maybe if even in the beginning, even at lunchtime and the end of the day, or maybe just at the end of the day, doing a daily report out, letting your boss know what you've done, and um, and what your progress is on that will go a long way towards alleviating some of those those accountability concerns. Um, and then I think on the other end of it, on the boss end of it, is setting really clear but reasonable expectations um, of of your people. Um, and I would say even if your company policy allows it to set those expectations based on your desired results, what you want to see your employees accomplish, rather on, than on the time spent. Because some of your people may find that they can be much more productive at home because they have less chit chat, less meetings, less hallway conversations. So something that may have taken them three or four hours at the office may only take them two or three hours at home. Um, and so they're meeting your expectations by producing the results that you're looking for. And again, I know, again, on some companies, some company policies that may not work, but if you can set expectations based on the desired results rather than the time spent, that kind of helps everybody be able to manage their own time a little better. Okay, y'all, so I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDKornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. 
I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, and all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you wanna know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. Krista, I think that that, that is probably one of my favorite things that you've said so far during our conversation is this renewed focus on results instead of time spent. Um, you know, so often we do get caught up in, you know, the, the busyness and the busy work and the time spent on something when at the end of the day, what we truly get accomplished is what mattered. I'd love to share something that I recommended to a friend of mine who is like many people, taking her first step into leading a team remotely, um, she reached out via Instagram and asked, you know, how can she maintain and create accountability among her team? And so one thing that I recommended was ha- was using Zoom and holding a short 10 to 15 minute remote meeting every morning in which they went around like round robin and answered three different questions. What did you work on yesterday? Or what did you do yesterday? Second question, what is your primary focus today? And the third question, what obstacles are standing in your way from accomplishing your primary focus of the day? Wow, that's really great. I love that. And that by sticking to those three questions, you have, you start with that accountability of what did you do yesterday? So they have to, they have to report, they have to show up and say, you know, this is what I did yesterday. Um, They have to share what's ahead. And by identifying any of those potential obstacles in their, in their way, that gives the manager, that gives the leader of the team and even their peers, the opportunity to engage in quick problem solving to determine, you know, what can be delegated, what resources need to be gathered. And it's quick. If it's done well, it should last no more than 15 minutes. And um, it, it, it creates that daily built-in accountability. I love that. I think that's that's a really good way to frame it up. And, and you're right, that can go very quickly and not take up too much time of everyone's day. I love it. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's not meant to be a 25 point to do list. It's your your primary goal for the day. So it really forces you to think about 
what's most important. And during these times when, you know, we're strapped for time, some of us are working home, working remotely with kids, and we have to strip it down, streamline and be very lean and intentional about the work that we're doing. So boiling it down to that primary priority really forces you to think through what's most important. Great idea. I also want to share um, a specific question, not well, somewhat specific question from a listener and get your advice on how you w- would recommend her handle this situation. So a listener reached out via Instagram and shared her boss's expectations for working remotely. Um, basically, to give you just a little bit of background, it's an events-based team um, that works you know, in-house at a facility. And it just says that my boss reached out and shared her expectations of me working remotely. She has asked that I respond to every email and every missed phone call that comes through between the hours of 8 a.m. and 4.30 within one hour. So she's basically asked, the, the leader has asked her staff to respond to every communication that comes their way within one hour. And based on the number of emails they get daily, this is not physically possible. As in, this is not something that they do normally when they're all in the office. Um, The supervisor has demanded that the team send their calendars and explain every single item on the calendar, even commitments that have nothing to do with uh, the work of the team. (laughs) And... This supervisor has asked the employee to share what her subordinates are doing so that the supervisor can almost leapfrog that that middle manager and um, keep keep the team the team members two levels down accountable. So there's it, there's micromanaging in play. And frankly, it's that level of um, expectations and that level of uh, over accountability, micromanaging has really had an effect on the team's morale. So I know that's a lot. I know that's a lot of details, but you know, how would you recommend someone manage that level of expectation? Well, I think too, first of all, it's kind of understanding where that's coming from. And it's coming from that fear-based mentality of, if I can't see what they're doing, I don't know what they're doing. Um, and so, so although it seems very, it does seem very excessive for what's needed um, in the beginning, it may be helpful to come as close to that as you can. And I think over time that it should, it should tail off. Um, I think too, another piece of where she may be coming from, that the supervisor may be coming from is that, um, this is an, is an unprecedented time that we're in. And so if you have a supervisor and then you also supervise people, what if something happens to you? What if, you know, you do get sick? What if you, um, you do have some other family emergency where you have to be pulled away and now she has to direct your subordinates. So making sure she's kind of she has enough information that she's able to do that. I think that some of the kind of contingency, almost succession planning that some managers are doing right now um, in case someone becomes ill and or has to be away and 
can't perform perform their duties. So first of all, just trying to understand what um, what it is she's trying to accomplish. And if your relationship with that supervisor is strong enough, I would recommend going to her and saying, I hear what you're asking for. Um, here's what I think we can do to address what you're trying to accomplish in a little bit different way. So not saying we're just not going to do all this, right? You can't really say that to your supervisor, but you can try to get at the heart of what is she trying to accomplish with all of these requirements and then see if you can propose an alternate way to accomplish the same thing that is more collaborative and it shows trust in the team and it shows that you know that you trust your team to have their act together and to do what they're supposed to do in their work um, but i think it starts with with understanding just the fear-based place that that supervisor is coming from and um, and then seeing if you can address those fears and concerns in a way that's more comfortable for you and your team it, almost finding a way to compromise and meet in the middle right Right. But doing it with an understanding of what she's trying to accomplish and just not saying, hey, I'm mm -hmm. only willing to come this far to meet you, but really digging in and saying, you know, what, what's the bottom line issue here that you're trying to accomplish mm -hmm. and then finding a way mm -hmm. that works for everybody for you to meet that. Very early in our conversation, we started off by talking about how this has an opportunity to seriously bust existing, you know, paradigms about the workplace and how we do things. You know, one thing that I have found is that in a lot of workplaces, email tends to function like an instant messenger. Right. And that rather than using a program like Slack, which is meant to be a messenger, which is meant to foster, you know, that instant communication or using something like Google Hangouts, People send email and have the expectation that you're going to respond almost immediately because they're asking fragmented instant messenger style questions. Mm -hmm. Yes. How, how can someone who recognizes this in their workplace and sees that it is not sustainable to, to continue that type of communication over email, um, how can they slowly begin to turn the tide? Again, I think this this may be partially a generational thing because anyone of my generation would tell you, if you're in the office, get up and go see that person instead of sending 48 emails back and forth or pick up the phone and call them mm -hmm. and have a conversation. And so, you know, Slack and and... Um, Messenger or Skype or those kind of things are all tools that replace that picking up the phone or going to see somebody. So kind of frame it in those those terms. If it's you know if it's a, a thing where you need to have a quick back and forth conversation, it goes in this in this space. If it's a place, if it's something that you need to have you know, like a record of it's you're trying to document the, a conversation or a document a decision that kind of thing goes in email i think you start by modeling it and and then people will if you're if you're consistently modeling it either either as the boss or as the um as the employee i think people will follow along i i actually do tend because 
Um, you know, because I did come from a generation where we didn't have all those instant messaging tools where I do tend to use email like, um, like instant messenger sometimes. And my younger, um, my younger, uh, people that I work with have really gotten me, have modeled for me using, we use Skype at work for that kind of back and forth communication that, you know, they put all those things in Skype and that's how they ping me when they need, they need something. So I think even if you're the employee modeling the best place for that communication um, for your supervisor, they'll eventually catch on. So you bring up you bring up a really interesting point here that reminds me of something that one of my clients shared with me recently. She works for a nonprofit that has offices located all across the Southwest, and they have created a communications protocol that puts in writing what type of communications should be handled over Slack and what kind should be handled over email because it's widely accepted in time management and productivity best practices that you no longer keep your email open all day, just waiting for that distraction to pop in and that you instead have scheduled email time so that you can, you know, time block when you'll be in email, when you'll go through those requests that really require more documentation. And that Slack is something that you can keep open, you know, whenever you need to keep it open to get that back and forth. But I know that we all have a lot on our plates right now as managers and leaders, but this would be a really great time to document the purpose of each of your communications tools just to make sure that everyone is on the same page about what goes where. Because what they found at this organization is that when someone wasn't responding to an email as quick as the sender would prefer, they would then send the same exact message to Slack. So then the individual was covered in an avalanche of duplicate emails and Slack messages. Right. Yeah, that's um, that's a great idea. I have seen communication plans like that, that that define it for everyone. And it's really helpful when, you know, when you're heading into a new world like this, for someone to set that up and say, hey, let's try it this way. Use this communication for that and this, you know, for, for the other type of communication and let's all do it the same to start with. You may find that you need to adjust it as you go along, but all starting in the same place sounds like a a really helpful thing. I like what you bring up about being prepared to make adjustments because this is, this is a new world for so many of us and trial and error is going to be inevitable. So now from the manager perspective, those those of us who are leading teams remotely and we are setting the standards and we're determining the tools and we are you know creating what this new remote work life is going to look like you know what advice do you have to those managers who are in uncharted territory so that they can be good managers despite being remote i, I think and one of the key principles of being a good manager in any time is listening to your people. What's working for them? What's not working for them? Like you said in the daily check-in, you know, what struggles do you have? What's What barriers do you have? And really listening to people right now because 
Uh, I think right now in this time, you know, tensions are high, emotions are high, things that wouldn't normally bother you definitely could bother you now. And so keeping that line of communication open for your people and, and, and understanding what's working and what's not working and taking their input into it instead of just saying, this is what's best for me. So all of you guys just follow along. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one really important thing. Um, and I think also creating some team spirit through this shared experience. I mean, this kind of this is the time to say, hey, we're all in this together. Um, this is not a time to say, oh, I'm, I'm making this great, um, generous um, accommodation for you to be able to work at home although you probably are, this is the time to say, hey, we're all in this together. Let's all share what we're learning. Let's all, you know, kind of joke about this experience or find the, sometimes you'll find the humor in this experience of things that didn't really go the way you thought they would. Um, And you'll also find some really great, um, great connections between your team that are going to make them work better together. And you may find when this is all over that, um, you know, allowing everybody to work from home one day a week will vastly improve the, the communication and the productivity of your team. It may be something that you implement more when things go back to whatever the real long-term new normal looks like. Creating team spirit I would have never thought of that, but that is that is such an amazing tip for strengthening your community of of employees and finding opportunities to. You're right, laugh at each other, laugh at the trial and error, and just be more understanding of each other. You've really got me brainstorming ways to create that team spirit. Um, so what are, is there anything that you can recommend here that would be, that would be fun to try? Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think I, so one thing that we have one guy in our office, um, who always brought the chocolate, right? And yeah. so every meeting that we have, he would he would make sure the candy jars were all full um, before we would sit down. And so maybe saying, you know, when you're when you're getting ready to have your little team meeting every every morning, you know, ask everybody, you know, where is your chocolate? What is your chocolate today? <laughs> uh, you know, maybe trying to bring some of the kind of inside jokes and in inside um, quirks of your workplace into your new virtual place. Um, maybe a way to create some shared experiences. I love that. That's really fun. <clears throat> Something that I've seen people do is um, is highlight their pets that show up in all of yeah. the Zoom conference calls, and you know, make making the pets feel like they're a part of the team. Yeah. And yeah. Um, one thing that I saw on Facebook earlier today that I had to laugh out loud. So my little girl Camilla is 13 months old, and we just. Um, had our first week of theme dressing for Dr. Seuss's birthday week where, you know, one day you wear crazy socks and one day you do this and one day you do that. And it's something that moms just love to complain about because you never know about it until the last minute. And then you're scrambling the morning of to find the crazy socks or do the whatever it is. And someone actually posted on 
um, on Facebook, you know, let's have a virtual spirit week <laughs> and, you know, show up, you know, Tuesday is St. Patty's Day. So wear green and post a picture of your kids homeschooling on Facebook. And on Wednesday, let's have, you know, crazy hat day. And it's so silly. And it's one of those things that moms love to complain about, but, it's bringing people together. And I think finding a way to replicate that with your team would be a really nice way to just lighten the, the heavy mood that we've all been in. Yeah. Yeah. I think you got to find a little bit of something to smile about um, as, as we're going through, um, you know, a very scary time. So um, anything you can do to make your team feel comfortable in their surroundings, um, to to understand that hey, we're we're all dealing with this. We're all dealing with dogs barking in the background, and um, you know the delivery man coming to the door, and all kinds of crazy things. Um, just acknowledging that we're all going through those same things, and and don't try to deny them, and don't mm-hmm. try to say oh it's all business as usual because we know there's really nothing usual about what we're all facing right now. Yeah, it's not. This is not business as usual. And we're all in this together and we're not alone in the way that we feel. So Krista, everything that you have shared has been mind-blowingly useful. I I mean, that doesn't surprise me one bit because I knew going into this that you were going to have some amazing insights, advice, and really tangible takeaways for people to just take and run with this week as they're creating their remote work plans for their teams, as they are embarking on this new normal. Before we go, Krista, I want to thank you so much for giving us your time and is there any parting advice or any parting wisdom that you would share for share with us as we are, you know, stepping off into what could be weeks, um, we're not sure how long of remote work? You know, I just go back to what I said before about offering grace to everyone and believing the best in everyone. Mm-hmm. Your kids mm-hmm. are not trying to ruin your work day by asking you 58 times, you know, if they can watch whatever on TV. You know, your boss is not trying to ruin your life by making unreasonable expectations. And the people who work with you and for you are not trying to frustrate you by not giving you the information you you need. Everyone is trying to figure it out. So, so believe the best in each other and give grace to each other until you all just figure it out. Yeah. Very, very good. Krista, thank you so much. And before we sign off, how can people stay in touch with you? Um, You can visit me at my website, doanewthing.com. I've got a lot of resources there um, for leaders. Um, I have a lot of some time management stuff, some managing your to-do list stuff and creating weekly plans, a lot of information about that. Um, And then you can find me also on Instagram and Facebook as Do A New Thing. Um, And I would love to connect with you guys and just continue to support and give you ideas and, um, and come alongside you as we all try to figure it out. 
Awesome. Krista, thank you so much. And for those of you listening, you will absolutely be able to find links in order to get in touch with Krista and see what she's up to and learn from her in terms of time management and remote work and everything that she has to share. You can find those in the show notes again at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash remote. Krista, thank you again. I hope you have a great evening. You too. Thanks so much for um, for having a great conversation today. Thank you. And there you have it. I have to say, this has been one of the most interesting and informational interviews I've enjoyed so far. I love Krista's reminder to take breaks during the day, to be respectful of your work, and especially to foster team spirit, even though you're working remote. All of the tools we mentioned, including my favorite, Trello, can be found in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash remote. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll let me know by subscribing to the podcast and follow me on Instagram and send me a DM to let me know what was most useful to you as you're transitioning into remote work. You can find me at Anna D. Cornick. Look, I know this is stressful for all of us for so many different reasons, but I want you to know that we're in this together and you are not alone. Thanks again for listening. And I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.